Amen. First Samuel chapter number 17, verse number 48 reads as follows. It says, and it came to pass when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Look at verse 49. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Verse 50 simply says, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood up on the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. God bless you. That's all I'm going to read. I would encourage all of you to read that 17th chapter in its uh, entirety because, of course, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. I want to talk to you all just for a few moments or as the spirit leads and pastor needs your prayers today, I want to talk to you from the subject matter, gaining victory over Goliath, gaining victory over Goliath. Let me start off by saying that the story of David and Goliath is perhaps uh, one of the most well-known of all biblical stories. Uh, its account of triumph have been retold in many formats of media, from movies to books, and uh, it has captured the audience and the generations past and present, the young and the old, all races of people, social classes, and gender makeup. Uh, its climatic uh, moment of conquest amid a situation that seemed intimidating and script for defeat has inspired underdogs or those who seem to have the odds stacked against them throughout the world. And so the story of David and Goliath is a beautiful story of how fear can be overcome and of how challenge can be met and of how the little guy and minority can still be successful over the big guy and uh, the majority. It's a story of how faith and trust in God can gain victory over Goliath. 
Now you have to understand that Goliath in the framework of our text is a factual character. In other words, he is true to life. He is he's real. He is non-fictional and based on the validity of scripture. But the name and ideal of Goliath also represents, according to one definition, uh, a person or thing of gigantic power or achievement. Let me say it again. By definition, it also represents a person or thing of gigantic power or achievement that has a propensity or tendency to evoke fear and stimulate panic in someone else. And so in other words, not only is Goliath the nine foot plus warrior of the Philistines that posed a threat to Israel, but it's also the metaphor of Goliath is anything that causes you to lose heart or anything that causes you to retreat out of anxiety or or nervousness from a fight. It's anything which uh, triggers you back down from uh, a challenge or to run in the opposite direction of your challenger. You, How many of you all will agree with me this morning that we are faced with many challenges? And whether you want to believe it or not, the world is filled with Goliaths. And the only way to gain victory over the Goliath in your life is to handle your Goliath in the way that David handled his Goliath. You see, David faced his Goliath in the name of the Lord. Uh, He knew he could not deliver himself, and he did not trust in the strength of his flesh or place confidence in the armor of his king. But his faith and trust were in God. Let's quickly, let's quickly review the story and pull out of this story, out of our text, some guiding principles for victory over Goliath. For in this 17th chapter of 1 Samuel, the, the, the legend of David and his defeat of Goliath unfold. In fact, it begins by giving us the picture of the narrative, because in introduction, the Philistine army had gathered itself by war for war against Israel. And so when you look at the background, you discover that the Philistines and the Israelites, they were longtime enemies who often confronted each other on the battlefield of combat. And the warfare was always about one or two things. Number one, which people would serve the other. And then number two, who had the greater God. And so on this occasion, on this particular occasion, it was about who would serve 
whom among the nations in and around the promised land of Canaan, the Philistines were Israel's worst enemy. Their presence in southern Canaan in the days of the last judges and in the years of the first kings of Israel was a serious threat to the southernmost Israelites tribes in particular. For the Philistines, they had five cities around that region of the promised land, which one of which was Gath, the city where Goliath of our text was from. It was a city that was known to have warriors of great strength and height. And so as on many other occasions, we find them drawing battle lines against one another. And the text tells us with the valley of Elah between them, the army of Israel occupied one hill while the Philistine army occupied another. Y'all let me preach the Bible for a few minutes. And so for further understanding in the times of our text, History informs us that battles such as this were often decided by having each side choose their bravest and strongest warrior or champion who would meet in front of the opposing forces and fight each other to the death. Now, listen, the side of the loser would become the servants of the side of the victor. And this approach was a a time-honored principle. Fact of the matter is they had a name for it. Uh-huh. The name was considered corporate solidarity in which one person would stand for many people that often extended beyond warfare. Not only did it determine the outcome of war, but but corporate solidarity was a common way of settling disputes among families and neighbors in ancient times. And so the plight of many rested on the shoulders of just one. And if you will allow me just for a moment to step away from this particular text and let me show you how it also affects us and it includes us because corporate solidarity or the plight of many resting on the shoulders of one is also reflected in the sin of Adam and in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For Romans, the fifth chapter, verse number 12 teaches us that sin entered, hallelujah, the world through one man and Adam and Adam through his sin, death came to all men. And so in other words, because Adam sinned, we all become sinners and the judgment upon Adam becomes our judgment, which is the verdict of death. Because when I listen at Paul in Romans 6 and 23, Paul says the wages of sin is death. 
And so physical death, which gives way to eternal death, becomes our conclusion if we stay on the side and in the disobedience of Adam. But somebody ought to say, thank God for Jesus. Oh, I want to take my time and talk. You ought to say, thank God for Jesus. Thank God that we can switch sides before physical death. Thank God we are not stuck on the side and in the fate of Adam. Yes, the wedges of sin is death. But, hallelujah, the gift of God is eternal life. If we only take advantage of the switch opportunity that is presented to us in the offer and uh, my God, the gift of Jesus Christ before physical death. Jesus is the champion of the winning side. Jesus is the strong warrior that enables all who are on his side not only to have eternal life, but to have victory in this life and uh, over the grave. Romans 5 and 15 and beyond educates us to the fact that as Adam represents many, so does Christ. But unlike an affiliation with Adam, which leads many to death through sin, connection with Jesus, hallelujah, leads many to life through grace. Romans 5.15 said, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace, the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? In other words, we have victory because of the victory of one man that was accomplished on our behalf as Jesus, the seed of woman whose heel was bruised, went one-on-one -on -one against the great serpent of deception, beguilement and enticement, whose head was crushed my God, by the obedience, uh, works and surrenders of Jesus to the will of God and the sufferings uh, of the cross at Calvary. And so while we, my God, while we look at what David did to Goliath, you have to understand Jesus, our Redeemer, he did the same thing uh, to our enemy, the devil. And so as Israel, and so as Israel and the Philistines squared off, one man steps out of the Philistine camp, a champion by the name of Goliath. He stands over nine feet tall. He has a bronze helmet on his head, and he wears a coat of armor that weighs between uh, 125 to 200 pounds. He has, he has bronze shin guards protecting his, 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 his chin, and he has a plate of bronze covering 
his chest. He has a bronze javelin or spike slung across his back and a spear with an iron point that weighed about 15 pounds. I'm trying to paint a picture for y'all because I don't think none of y'all would have stepped out of the camp. Y'all ain't going to help me here. He also had, uh, he had a shield barrier that uh, went before him in battle. By all standards, Goliath was uh, a giant among men and the odds uh, were in his favor. Don't it seem like sometimes the odds are in uh, the favor of the enemy. Come on, let's be transparent. I said, let's be transparent. Sometimes it seems like I know we trust God and I know we love God and I know we're saved and we're sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. But sometimes it just seems like the odds are against us. Notice as Goliath steps out, he steps out alone. Everybody say alone. Ah, he steps out alone from Israel's camp. And listen, no one steps out to acknowledge his challenge as he beckons them to send someone to fight against him. That he is standing there, beckoning somebody from the side of Israel to step out. Uh, fact of the matter is nobody would step out. My God, for 40 days, Goliath taunts, he insults, he challenges the Israelites, whom the Bible says, uh, inclusive of King Saul. And the Bible said they were all dismayed and greatly afraid at the very words of Goliath. Goliath's word even scared them. So for 40 days, notice what he would yell out. He would say, choose a man, have him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your servants. But if I prevail, you will become our subjects and you will serve us. He says, I defy the ranks of Israel. He said, give me a man. Let us fight each other. 40 days. Somebody say 40 days. That's a long time to talk and intimidate anybody. But thanks be to God, there was a shepherd boy by the name of David. David was the youngest of eight brothers. He was, my God, he was the third oldest of which, my God, were on the battle lines, amen, with King Saul. Three of his older brothers, they're out fighting somewhere else. They're in another valley. It was close to it. Now, of course, we know his father's name was Jesse. And Jesse was like any other father. He was concerned about the welfare of his three eldest sons that was fighting in a war. So one day, watch this. He puts David, he puts David from tending his sheep and sends him to inquire of the well-being of of his brothers. And so he also sent with David some food for his son. He sent 10 cheeses for the commander of their unit. And so I guess Jesse knew that the commander liked cheese. And so not only are you going to take care of your brothers, but I want you to give the commander something. And so Jesse tells David, he says, see how, how, how your brothers are and bring back some assurance 
from them. You see, I need to know that they are all right. And so early in the morning, David left the flock with another shepherd, packs everything up and does as his father instructs. And the Bible says he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions. And as they were shouting the battle cry, and as Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other, David left the food supply with the keeper of supplies. And he ran to the battle lines to greet his brothers. And so the story go on to say that as David, y'all don't mind if I preach the Bible, do you? It says as David was conversing with his brothers, he had the challenge, he heard the challenge of Goliath. And not only did he hear the challenge of Goliath, but David also witnessed the fear of the Israelites as they ran from Goliath. And the Bible says in great fear. You got to understand David went for one thing, but how many of y'all know God will have you do something else? And so if I can make a long story short, because I could talk about this all day long, this young shepherd boy, he meets the challenge. And although King Saul offered great wealth to the man who kills Goliath, David does not want to do it for the wealth. And although King Saul offered his daughter in marriage, along with family exemption from Israelite taxes, David does not do it for a wife or for tax exemption. But he does it because Goliath dared to defy the armies of the living God. In other words, David said, this is unacceptable. My God, you're not going to talk about my God. How many of y'all know we can't allow people to talk about our God? Well, thank you. I just want to talk. But I need y'all to know my God is an awesome God. And he reigns forever and forever. And so David said, keep your daughter. Keep all of your wealth. That's not why I want to meet the challenge. I'm meeting this challenge simply because you're not going to talk about my God like that. And so to David, this was unacceptable. To David, David, this was not a challenge to run from or to hesitate in accepting. And so David tells King Saul, notice what he tells him. He says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. He said, your servant will go and I'll fight him. And of course, of course, Saul objects because of David's age and by Comparison to Goliath, what Saul thought was David's inexperience in combat. But here in Saul's view was a young shepherd boy against a veteran warrior of war. And in Saul's view, David stood no chance. But notice what David said. David said, I I got to share a testimony with you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're looking at me one way, but I have a testimony. I want to know, is there anybody listening to me? Do you have a 
a testimony. Uh, he recalls the song on how God had given him victory over a lion and a bear in protection of his father's sheep. And David tells Saul that the same God who had delivered him then will also deliver him now from the hand of Goliath. And I stop by to let somebody know the same God that delivered you once. Somebody ought to shout, I know he'll do it again. I don't know what your Goliath may be, but I stop back here to tell you that God will, he'll do it again. And so in essence, David was saying to Saul, who is this Philistine against the power of my God? Hey, you ought to talk like David talked. What is this situation against the power of my God? What is this financial dilemma? My God against the power of my God. What is this sickness against the power of my God? And so notice what happens. Saul gives David his blessings and dresses David in his own personal royal armor. But this was not David. And so David pulls it off and grabs what David was comfortable with. Ah, y'all don't miss it. David grabbed what he was comfortable with. Well, here's a principle that I do not want you to miss. And the principle is simply this. Use what you are comfortable with. Oh, my God. Some of y'all trying to look for other things. But my God wants us to know today, you got to start somewhere. And the starting point is simply here. Use what you're comfortable with. Do not try to dress up in somebody else's armor or do it somebody else's way. You can't sing like they sing. You sing the way you sing. You can't pray the way they pray. You pray the way you pray. You can't, my God, I'm preaching up in here. You can't preach the way they preach. You preach the way God has given you to preach. Don't try to dress up in nobody else's armor. Use what God gives you and do what God gives you to use. Somebody shout right now. I've got to be me. Hallelujah. Shout, I've got to be me. Stop trying to be everybody else. Just be yourself. You are uniquely made. Job said God has uniquely shaped me. You are somebody. You just be you. And so David said the song, he said, I can't use this. He said, this is not me. And so David picks up his shepherd's staff, selects five smooth stones from the water. Hey, put the stones in the pouch of his shepherd bag. And with his sling in his hand, David approaches Goliath with confidence. He had no fear for David had faith in God. And here's another principle. If you are to have victory over your Goliath, you must have faith in God, not fear, but faith. You have to know that you cannot defeat your Goliath without the help of God. God honors faith, not fear. And no matter what the challenge is, hallelujah, if the challenge is physical, it could be financial, it could be emotional, 
It could be mental. It could be spiritual or relational. My God, it could just be your closest relative. You can win with faith. Somebody ought to shout, I can win. I can win with faith. No matter what the challenge is, for whatsoever is born of God, whosoever is born of God, they overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. David had faith. And what David had, we must have. We have to have faith in God. Because how many of y'all know faith in God opens doors? Faith in God releases power. Faith in God enables the moving of mountainous situations. As faith in God pleases God. And where there is faith in God, there is no fear of men or partnerships. My God, you could care less what the naysayer says. Because faith moves, even if it must move all by itself. It's confidence. My God does not come from man. But guess what? It comes strictly from the Lord. And I don't know who I'm talking to. And I'm almost finished here. But I don't know who I'm talking to. But walk on by faith. Because as David stood before Goliath, Goliath mocks David and is angered that David is just a boy mm, with a sling and a few rocks. How dare you come up against me? Do you know who I am? But no matter what Goliath says, how he looks, or who the gamblers are betting on, David tells Goliath, he says, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Somebody, you ought to speak those things that are not as though they were. And you ought to shun right where you are. No matter what you're facing, say this day. This day, October the 18th, 2020. My God, at 11.55. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me. And I will strike you down. And not only am I going to strike you down, but I'm going to cut your head off. Now wait, if your husband don't cut his head off, if it's your wife, Brother Newsom, don't cut her head off. You, you, you don't know what I'm talking about. Tell that financial problem, I'm going to cut your head off right now. You coming subject to me and to the power of the Holy Ghost that's down on the inside of me. You see, the Israelites of my God they feared Goliath, but not David. King Saul feared Goliath, but he did not fear David. David's brothers feared Goliath, but they did not fear David. David had faith in God. And as a matter of fact, David's faith in God caused my God David to look at Goliath from a different perspective. While the Israelite army, while King Saul, while David's brothers, my God, peered upon a man of great size and strength, David had his eyes on God. And can I tell y'all, put your 
eyes on God. And my God, Goliath was but a mere mortal, defying a divine, all-powerful God. And by comparison to David, there was no comparison because David must have looked down through the telescope of time and he must have envisioned Paul simply saying, if God be for us, who can be against us? Somebody, you ought to declare, if God, if God be for us, who can be against us? Can I give you one more principle and I'm going to let y'all go? I'm not finished, but I'm going to let you go anyhow. Here's another principle. If we look at giant problems from a God perspective, we will see that God will fight for us. Not only will God fight for us, but God, he'll also fight with us. And with God on our side and as our guide, somebody ought to shout, I can't lose. Come on, shout, I can't lose. No weapon that is formed up against me shall prosper. Come with your spear. Come with your sword. Come being 12 feet tall. But I stopped back here to tell you, no weapon shall prosper. You might as well not form it because it's not. It's not going to prosper. Well, let me stop. But notice what David does. They running towards the valley. David simply reaching his bag. By the way, what do you have in your bag? I thought I asked you that. What do you have in your bag? All he had was five smooth stones. David reached into his bag, grab a stone, prepare his sling. He's doing all that while on the run. Some of y'all came running, chew gum at the same time. David was running, putting his hand in the bag, getting his sling shot together, getting his thoughts together. Come on here, somebody. Hey, my God. And all of a sudden, he slung it around. And if I was pooping, I say he slung it once for the Father. He slung it once for the Son. He slung it once for the Holy Ghost. And he let go of that, my God, that stone. And guess it hit Goliath right in his forehead. Goliath fell down to the ground. My, don't tell me what God can't do. And my God, David realized, I don't even have a sword. All I had was a slingshot and five smooth stones. And so he runs over to Goliath. He stands on top of Goliath. He takes Goliath's sword and he cuts his head off. Can I tell y'all something? My God, God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. Love everybody. You ain't got to fight nobody. Love everybody. Handle your giants. Handle your Goliaths with what you have. God will give you the strength. God will give you the courage. Notice he had five smooth stones. I'm finished. Five smooth stones. He was fighting one big fella. Somebody said the reason he had five smooth stones, not just in case he missed, because he knew he wasn't going to miss, because he was going in the strength of God. But he had five smooth stones because Goliath had four other brothers. And David had an attitude. Not only will I kill you, but bring on your brothers. 
because I got a stone for each and every one of them. You got to prepare yourself. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me here. You got to prepare yourself. Pick up five stones because just as sure as you cut the head off of one thing, something else is going to pop up. You all have been to Chuck E. Cheese and you be hitting them, them, them little clowns' heads and as you knock them down, another one will pop up. Don't that seem like the way life is? You conquer one thing, another one pop up, and you discover yourself sweating. Your arm will be getting tired because they keep on popping up as you knock one down. Well, I stand by here to tell you, you must call your Goliaths out and don't be scared. The days of being scared is over. I don't know who I'm talking to, but the days of being scared is over. The devil's not playing. It's over. How long are you going to run? How long are you going to hide? Call it out. Don't be scared. Have faith in God. Put not your trust in man. Put your trust in God. Face the giants and don't run. Face your giant without fear. Do not doubt. Don't hesitate. But move forward with the Lord. I don't know who that was to, but you got to move forward now with the Lord. When it seems hopeless and uncertain, when others fear and run away, turn your head towards the sky and have hope in God. Because the same God that did it before is the same God who would do it again. Throw off. Throw off your neighbor's armor. Put down your neighbor's sword. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And God will give you the victory. And with the Lord on our side, and with the Lord as our guide, hallelujah. The score is going to be Saints 1, Giants 0. If you're not careful, He'll let you slaughter them like they did in the World Series. Uh, I think the Dodgers in the first in the first inning had 11 runs. That's the way God will do it for you. <laughs> God will put you ahead of your enemy if you just don't fear and don't be afraid. St. Luke Church and those of you that's listening, I know I preached a long time. That's all right. I don't care. We're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. Our champion is Jesus Christ. And though Goliath keeps on coming, watch this. If he keeps on coming, he's going to keep on falling. If I got anything to do with it, hey, you ought to write that down. If he keeps on coming, he's going to keep on falling because the devil is already defeated and we have victory at the cross. Every eye closed, every head bowed. It was at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart was rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. It's at the cross of Jesus Christ. Go face, go face your Goliath.
He's a giant. He's threatening. You're no match for him on your own. But with the help of the Lord, I stop by here to let you know that he's already, he's already a defeated foe. He's all, the victory's already been won. All you got to do is just show up. Just show up for the fight. Just show up for the fight. God promise he'll fight your battles and he'll fight them just for you. Let's pray while every head is bowed, every eye is closed. My God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your tender mercies. My God, I shared with your people what you've placed on my heart to share. And God, you have declared that your word will not go forth void, but it will accomplish what you set out for it to accomplish. Now, God, as we meet our giants, as we meet our Goliaths, help us to meet Goliath. Help us to meet our giants in the power of your might, not in our own physical strength, but help us to step out by faith and trust you and depend upon you, knowing that you have already won the battle and that the battle is not ours, but it belongs to you. And God, I say thank you.